tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Recorded live. You're listening to the Sham Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Now, views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of TalkShoe, Generating Productions, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. This is your Sunday evening forum, Nation Talk. Talk is a live public affairs and news program that deals with issues concerning you from the studios of Savannah, Georgia.
Can you tell if the surfaces in this kitchen are crawling with bacteria that could cause chronic arthritis? Listen. Can't, can you? You can't see it either. Wash surfaces, utensils, and hands frequently with soapy water while preparing food, especially when handling raw meats or eggs. Raw food may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year, and roughly 3,000 will die. But you can keep your family safer by cleaning with soap and water as you go. Learn more about this and other important information. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. That's foodsafety.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Okay, I got it. It's easy to take your world for granted. Most days go by without a whole lot of surprises. But what if a disaster strikes without warning? What if life as you know it has completely turned on its head? What if everything familiar becomes anything but? Would you be prepared? Before a disaster turns your family's world upside down, it's up to you to be ready. Get a kit. Make a plan. Be informed today. Learn how at www.ready.gov. Ready.gov. This message brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency and the Ad Council. Close your eyes in Chicago, and you can hear the sound of zebra braying in Africa. Look hard out your window in D.C., and you can see the snow-covered peaks of the Andes. The world is that small. We are that connected. Please visit EarthShare.org and learn how the world's leading environmental groups are working together. EarthShare, one environment, one simple way to care for it all. A public service message from EarthShare and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Show, Jam Radio Productions, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. And his 
Russian connection and is Donald Jr. involved? Also, blank on blank. News from from the week and of course your phone calls at one seven two four 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 seventy four forty four. Call at the number five 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 one nine pounds. Choice. 
They were supposed to get that choice when a law was passed in 2014, mm -hmm. allowing vets who were lang languishing on waiting lists right. to be able to go to a civilian doctor and get Uncle Sam to pick up the tab. But the law erected so many hurdles, it was so difficult to use because it was really protecting the unions, not the vets. So unfortunately, very few vets got to go to those civilian doctors, and the waiting lines are actually longer now than in 2014. How does the Trump administration uh, change this? Well, it's, it's very a very clever idea. Mm -hmm. Give vets choice. Give them a Medicare card that says, if you choose to leave the VA for your care, mm -hmm. you can go to any doctor who takes Medicare, and Medicare will pay the tab. Don't rely on the Veterans Administration to pay that bill because doctors know dealing with the VA is a nightmare, nightmare yeah. right? But Medicare will pay the tab. And this is not going to cost taxpayers a lot because amazingly, actually, 47% of vets using the VA are already on Medicare. They're just using the VA in part because they don't have Why a copay there. Why wasn't suggested before? Oh, it so just seems so They're simple. going to be able to go to the civilian doctor. It's almost revenue neutral. It's going to be a great bargain for the taxpayer and a blessing for vets who need immediate civilian care. win all around. Great right. stuff. That's McCoy. <laughs> You're smiling. You're happy. You don't I have your happy. giant folder with you. It's all good. Very positive. <laughs> happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year to you, Bessie. Thank you. Pride is overjoyed for any number of different reasons that under President Trump, Obamacare is likely to be destroyed. Uh, but there's one particular financial incentive towards that destruction that you may not be familiar with, and so we're going to focus on it uh, in this video today. It has to do with two taxes. They'll presumably be axed with the law because they're part of the law, and they affect only those making $200,000 or more per year. The break the ACA repeal will bring to those taxpayers will amount to a 346 billion-dollar tax cut in total over 10 years. That $346 billion represents about $1,000 for every man, woman, and child in the U.S., and every cent will go to the pockets of people making more than $200,000 per year. So let's break down what those two taxes are, why they were initially put into the bill, and uh, what will happen when we get rid of them. Uh, the taxes in question are known as the Medicare tax on higher-income individuals and the net investment income tax. The former is a 0.9% tax placed on those who earn more than 200 k individually or 250 k for a married couple, but again, only applies to the income that exceeds the $200,000 threshold. The net investment income tax is a 3.8% levy meant to complement the Medicare payroll tax since investment income was not previously taxed in that way, another way that the system was set up to benefit people who generate their money in a particular way that might not affect most of you watching this video. It applies on investment income, such as uh, capital gains, dividends, and interest income for those making, again, 200K uh, or more. And uh, this is not just like, oh, this could theoretically happen, nobody's aware of it, oh, it'll be interesting, won't it? Uh, people are aware of it. The former tax policy director, uh, uh, it was for a, a Republican or conservative think tank, said, to me personally, that's the best part about repealing Obamacare, because on the healthcare side of it, you have this complicated replace that you have to turn to after that. But on taxes, it's all easy. It's all dessert. Oh, wow. there you oh. have it. There's the election. He just ruined dessert for me. <laughs> that, that's the, that was the whole point of this election, dessert. That's what the Republicans have always wanted. And there's the, Trump's no different than any of them. All they want is a yummy, yummy tax break. So I, 
John gave you the $346 billion number that they're going to put into their pocket. But let me break it down person by person. Now, if you're in the bracket of making $200,000 to $500,000, you're making a good living. But you're not a billionaire, and if you live on the coast, you know, those folks actually think that they're struggling. Now, you know that that's not true, but that's how they feel. But it's okay. They're going to have a tax increase of $467. And believe me, they're not going to feel it. Okay, as much as they're paying for the kids' private schools and yada, yada, that's not the big issue. The issue is what happens to people making over a million dollars. You know how much they're going to save from these Trump tax cuts on just Obamacare? On average, every single one of them is going to save over $36,000. So what you did by electing Trump is you gave every millionaire in the country $36,000 to put into their pocket, and now all those 20 to 30 million people are going to be uninsured because they say, oh, we'll replace Obamacare. But in order to pay for that, you needed these taxes. Once you, they give these taxes back to the rich, they're Republicans. What, are you going to, what do you think they're going to do? You think they're going to increase taxes later? Inconceivable. So they will have no money to do any kind of health care plan. There's going to be no replacing of the health care plan. So whatever they replace it with will be bare bones. It won't be able to cover you at all. And so all of you, you're going to, not, not every person in the country, if you're employed, I get it, you have insurance through your employers, et cetera, but there's going to be literally tens of millions of people left uninsured. And for all of us, we're going to have much worse insurance. And we're going to go back to the days possibly of, hey, you have a preexisting condition, you're a human being, okay, you once, you know, sprained your ankle, that's it, preexisting condition, now I don't cover you, ha-ha, you give me the money and I give you nothing in return. Yeah. We're going to go back to those days, so that every millionaire in the country can put $36,000 in their pocket. Congratulations on electing Trump. Nice work. And, again, I know that you said this, but I want to reiterate, that $36,000 is just what they're getting as a side effect of the ACA being taken away. We've already broken down that for those in the 0.1%, the actual tax cuts he's going to pass will literally put millions of dollars in, in each one of their pockets. This is just a little bit of dessert sprinkled on top. And, honestly, I can't help but think I've watched uh, – I've watched so many uh, interviews with uh, Trump supporters. I watched um, Nando Villa for Fusion did a documentary called Trump Land where he, he went and stayed with a few families uh, from the lowest uh, economic brackets to the highest uh, and talked to them and tried to understand what they were getting at. And all of those, the, the dirt poor, really suffering Trump supporters who just want things to be shaken up, they're going to be hurt the most by this. Their, the quality of their care, if they even have access to care, is going to drop. Many of them will have to go back to using the emergency room for routine stuff because they don't have insurance. And for those, of the, those who are able to get it, they're going to end up paying tons more money. I mean, the ACA was not perfect, but we remember what it was like beforehand. And a lot of the people who supported Trump are those who are going to be hurt the most uh, when this gets taken away. You know, at what point do you, do you think this um, pushes us towards joining the rest of the industrialized world and getting single-payer health care for people? Or do you think that this will push it farther down the line. I think it will bring us closer to it faster. Um, and, you know, I saw this video that Eric Byler did with the Trump supporter at the $15 uh, rally, Fight for 15, and he said, you know, the people who voted for Trump, we, we know he was a con man. We know, I mean, Southerners don't like him. He's a northern Yankee, you know, jackass running his mouth from New York City. They didn't like him, but 
that he makes the point that that's how desperate we were for someone to give us something to grab onto. Mm -hmm. And so that's how bad things were. And that's what, so maybe now, I mean, so now they have to govern, right? And so this is what's going to now, they're going to make, obviously you and I, we all know they're going to make life worse for Americans, right? So if we remember what happened after six years of George Bush, people had enough of it. And we had a black guy as our president. We had a Democratic Senate. We had a Democratic House. We had a filibuster-proof majority for several months there. And what did we do? We took that opportunity to do nothing for people except pass a right-wing health care plan. And we didn't break up the banks. We didn't have a revolution. You know, we had a Reagan revolution. We had the Great Society. We had the New Deal. We had Teddy Roosevelt, antitrust. We had the Civil War. And then we had the real revolution before that. It's time for another one. And hopefully this horrible governance of Donald Trump will wake people up to it, and hopefully we'll get rid of these corporate Democrats, and that's what it's going to take. Nancy Pelosi already said that she doesn't think the Democrats want a new direction. She's wrong. Uh, that's why I'm urging people to start a third party. I'm trying to see if Bernie will do that. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think trying to fix the Democratic Party is going to be a fool's errand. I think that it's going to be difficult. I think starting a third party is infinitely more difficult. Well, if you remember, Ross Perot got 19% of the vote. Back in 1992, people were sick of this shit, right? And so now it's even more so. Now 40% of the country considers themselves not affiliated with either party. That's a plurality. So if Bernie, a lot of people think that Ross Perot gave the election to the Democrats. He did. Yeah, right. So if that, that is generally what can end up happening. I mean, he was incredibly successful. But even he didn't come anywhere close to becoming president. But what I'm saying is, like, now we would have a real progressive movement. Now people would have to come to us, and we would have to have a real uh, coalition government. Well, Greg, Jen, look, you don't believe it, in that? Really, I mean, look, it's, it, anything's possible. I would love for us to go back to, like, the New Deal or something like that. But in the short term, I mean, this is going to wreck the finances of our country. We know how hard it is to ever raise taxes in this country. God knows how many services are going to end up being cut as the ripple effect of losing these, uh, this tax revenue and then once his actual tax plan goes through. And we've looked at um, the Bush tax cuts. We looked at the, the 10-year estimates for the number of people who ended up dying as a result of that, the increased deaths due to uh, reduction in services and things like that. It's literally thousands of people lost their life. And so we, I guess we can and should look forward to what's possible a long time from now, but people will literally die as a result of these changes, and they won't benefit from any hypothetical awesome future, unfortunately. And states now, uh, people are saying that states should lead the way in providing single-payer health care. They tried to do it in Colorado. Yeah. I think that's a very doable thing, especially places like California. What do you okay, think? Okay, so I'm just going to leave it at this, because we're not going to solve the third-party debate right now. Uh, I believe... I close. <laughs> I believe that we're, we've got strong Democrats on the way. I don't believe they exist now, except for a couple, obviously. Uh, and, uh, and I think that if you see strong Democrats, it might change your mind. Uh, you're going to have to see them because it, it, the cavalry has not yet arrived. Okay? So uh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the first person to say that. Okay. Now, uh, and we're going to test Jimmy's theories out, right? Because your theory was, under Trump, it'll get so bad, they're going to need those strong Democrats or progressives, however you want to frame it, right? Uh, well, it's going to get that bad. And, uh, and, and if it's the current Democratic Party, well, we're all screwed, because those weaklings are already submitting and surrendering to Trump, and they're not going to do any better four years from now. Uh, but, uh, Jimmy, I hope you're right, uh, because uh, it's going to get real bad. Uh, they're going to, they are stripping the whole thing down. It's like 
somebody left their car in the wrong part of town, and they come back, and it's on cinder blocks, and they've taken everything valuable out of the car. That's what they're going to do to the country. They're going to treat it like Turkey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're going to loot it. Mm-hmm. They're going to loot it. There's no, that's, and the looting has begun, uh, and this is part of the looting. And, and so we have uh, the head of the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities saying that this plan of Trump's seems at odds with the narrative of what this whole election was about. Yeah, of course. Interesting. And so, yes, <laughs> half of Trump's supporters don't care about any of this, right? They're like, look, as long as you hate the same people I hate, yeah, loot away. I don't care. Take it. You want to take it from my pocket? Here, take it from my pocket. What do I care, right? All right, just as long as I get to feel good about hating the right people. But half of Trump supporters really believe the stuff he was saying. I know for a lot of you, think like, no, they didn't really believe him, did they? But they did. Some of them did. And when they come to find out, oh, no, no, I, oops, now I don't have health care anymore. Or my yeah. kids don't have health care anymore. Why? Because every millionaire had to get $36,000 under uh, Trump. Well, I mean, does he really care about millions and billionaires? That's all he's got in his cabinet. He told me he was against Goldman Sachs, and he filled his cabinet full, uh, full of guys from Goldman Sachs. And when that half wakes up and goes, oh, we've been had, well, there better be strong progressives yeah. to give the opposite message and give people hope for what actually can be done right and, and how the system is, you were right, the system is fixed against you. But now let's actually go fight the guys who fixed it, the powerful, not the powerless, the people in Trump's cabinet. Those are the guys who rigged the system, yeah. and, and we will fight back against them. And I hope you're right, and I believe in the long run, yes, we will win. Those were the young Turks. You can uh, check them out at Turks. Network.com. Every now and then, I, I like to hear their these guys' opinion on these different issues. Has Obamacare died, or will Obamacare die under the Republican regime? That's the question tonight. That's that's the question tonight. On uh, our program tonight. Let's say hello to guest three and my usual person that calls in, Brother Mike, who calls in, and let's see, go be go down to Connecticut, Connecticut. Brother, Brother Mike, how are you? Mike? Mike, we'll go back to him. As I was saying, um, it looks like the Republicans are going to try to kill this bill. They're going to try to kill Obamacare, scrap it, kill it, bury it, give it a funeral, give it a funeral, and bury it. So, there's no telling how it's going to turn out. And hopefully, and believe me, it's going to hurt a lot more. I don't think, I really don't think Trump cares about the poor. I really don't think he cares about them. He says he do with his mouth, but but he really doesn't care. 
And last one, the guy said, all he got is millionaires on his on his cabinet. And he really doesn't know how um, how people like us, the ones who the 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 blue the the blue collar workers, the ones who bust their butts day in, day out, they don't know how it feels to go from paycheck to paycheck. They really don't. And guest three said they introduced a major third party. They they was talking a little bit about the third party a year ago. Remember, no labels for this coming scenario. Well, I welcome a third party. I welcome it. Uh, a third party? Sure. It'll kind of give away, it'll kind of... Um, it depends, well, okay, let me put it this way. A third party, it depends on if they're going to support the poor, the elderly, the the mom with the mom who has who's a, the, the single moms out there, those folks, our seniors, if it's supporting, if it's for that purpose. Then let's go ahead and get a third party. Go ahead. Well, we should go ahead and get a third party out there. Okay, let's see if Mike is back. But uh, as far as Obamacare, I don't think he really he he says he wants to 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 replace it. But they don't give any specifics on how how to fix it. <laughs> oh, okay. No labels. No la- No la- labels. Dot org. Okay. Mike. Mike. How you doing, man? What's going on? Not much. What happened to all this Obama? Stuff. What's going on here? The Republicans are messing up, man. Okay. Dad, I don't think he really cares about, he really doesn't care about the poor, the elderly, and um, our seniors, and our single moms. Right. He, he don't care. All he wants to do is make the rich people get a little bit more money in their pockets. That's all. I really don't think he's really sincere about this Obamacare. I, I really don't think he's really sincere because there going to be some people going to be hurt, like the poor, the single moms, the seniors. The the um the senior the senior moms the the blue collar workers who 
who those folks who work paycheck to paycheck. Those are the ones who are gonna get hurt. In fact, I think they're it's already hurting as it is now. Yeah, they're already hurting somebody. Yeah. It's already hurting. And they talk about scrapping the this uh Obamacare. Now if they could replace it and redo it well give it well replace replace it with something better over and lower the premiums enough that everybody can afford it. Right. And okay, that's that's great. But they trying to they they trying to they they're trying to um um give eliminate it. it. Yeah, they're trying to eliminate it and they're trying to, to give these insurance companies a whole lot of money. What? Yeah. They they're trying to make the medicines I'm telling you, medicines cost so much money. If you don't have some kind of assistance, you if you don't pay the discount price, you'll be paying the actual price. Right. I know this for a fact because I take medicine. I take medicine, and I looked at it. I'm going. Oh my goodness! If I was, if I would say, if I wasn't have some kind of assistance or some kind of, because uh, I'll tell you now, I don't, I do not, I am not a middle class. I am somewhere. I am more of a paycheck to paycheck type of person. Although it's okay. a little bit better, but I can see the difference in how much the of how much I'm I'm how much the discount is plus how much the actual the actual I'm talking about the actual price of medicine. My wife she she goes she she takes medicine more than I do, but I can. Judging from what, um, especially her, and I was looking at it the other day, and we we saw the price of the medicine. We're going. We I could have. She said I could have paid this much money, on on the medicine. And I looked at it. I'm going whoa. And this is a generic brand. Sometimes, some, sometimes, sometimes, the generic brand it, it costs a little less than the actual than the actual prescription. Right. But if you get it like if if you on Medicare or Medicaid, it 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 helps a bit. It does it does help a bit, and that's why he's that. And, He's also trying to scrap Medicaid, but somebody he's trying to, to change 
change Medicaid uh, in some way, I don't know, something. He, they, they really haven't given any details on 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 how they're going to fix this yet. Because they've been pretty secretive lately about they've been meeting behind closed doors and everything. They're trying to um, call, they call themselves fix, excuse me, calling themselves fixing it. But really, they're actually messing it up. I'm telling you that if you don't get, if you're not on either Medicare and Medicaid, Medicare or Medicaid, you'll be paying probably 10 to 20 times more of the medicine that you are now. Medicine is expensive. It is very expensive, especially if you need to take medicine. Like you have high blood pressure or 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 some kind of ailment, right? And I'm telling you, it is expensive. And this is one of the things that I I don't know what they're trying to do. Really, we really be honest with you. I don't know what they're trying to do. They're making deals secretly right now in these little cubby holes and. In hush hush meetings and secret meetings and things like that, uh, to make to make people think they're actually doing something, but all they're doing is really messing up. They they're messing up and they they're taking this Obamacare to try to to try to to destroy it all together. That's what. That's how I think it is. That's how I think it is. I mean, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> so, I'm gonna ask you a question. Mm. If Obama hadn't done something, and people for all this time, do you think it would have been a better deal? Just say, as it as it has been in all the time. Yeah, it could. Yeah, it could. It could have been. It could have been better if they could go back, go back and eliminate some of the stuff that they've added. Eliminate some of the stuff they added. Bring down the cost that everybody can afford. And as a matter of fact, Obama wasn't the only one who was talking about that. Remember, um, Clinton. Also tried President Clinton. He he tried he to present this, and the Republicans really wasn't wasn't really interested in it. Okay. And so and so when when President Obama campaigned, this was one of the things on his agenda was to have health care for everybody affordable. Healthcare for everybody. I mean, everybody to make it affordable. This is what the Affordable Care Act is supposed to be. It's supposed to be. Uh, it's supposed to be something to help those to get affordable healthcare for the from the poor 
to the middle class, especially the poor, the seniors, the the. And I still, I'm still, I'm still um, mentioning them because they're the ones who are going to get hurt. The poor, the the poor, the single mom, what the single mom, the the person who who's going to who's who's um uh working two and three jobs, the one who's going to school and working, that senior citizen. Those are the ones who are going to get hurt. Who's going to get hurt by this if they, if the Republican Party keep messing with it? And the more they mess with it, the more secret meetings they have, the more the more they're messing with this, and they're messing people up. Okay. Hmm. That's why I keep. That's why I keep saying. That's why I keep mentioning them, because. Those are the ones are the target are being targeted by this administration. They're being they're targeted them while they putting money more money in their pockets. This administration do not care about these those millionaire hotshots in his administration do not care. They really don't care about those folks I mentioned. They really don't. And what about that student who, who's, who, that that's who's in school, who's in college, and something should happen to them? Then what? Yeah. And they did what? Well, I mean, it all the way, all the way around. It, it, and believe it or not, the rich ain't gonna feel it. They ain't gonna feel it. They're not gonna feel a thing. It's not gonna hurt them at all. Not at all. It's not gonna hurt them. All they're just gonna do is make, make, make um, their pockets happy. <laughs> yeah, the fact that. All right. Hold, hold on, y'all. Hold, hold on, y'all. I, I'm dead serious. I am dead serious about this. I am dead, dead, dead serious. I am, I am. But you know what? Is it still think of each state? To do this, or is this supposed to be uh, a federal thing? Those ones are gonna get hit, and it is bothering me um, because of the way this president is acting. He's acting and making as if it's really like it's really nothing, nothing to it. And the people and the people believe him. Everyone he's saying, they drunk the Kool Aid. 
church and synagogue? The church, uh, the church and synagogue are other ones. If you can't get, if you can't get help from the government, you should get, you should get help from your church, your neighborhood church. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Now here, here, here. Okay. Let me give you a good example. On yesterday, at our church, we had it is an extended hands, which is part of our which is part of our mission ministry. We gave away. Check this out. And in our neighborhood, almost. 500 boxes to those who who are in need along with along with helping other churches a couple there were a couple of churches that who who wanted it who wanted it as well almost five I heard this report this morning almost 500 people this is th- and this is the third year we've done this this is the third year I was there yesterday i was I was there I watched the people come in um with the boxes and I mean they had fruits and vegetables and canned goods and clothing and all kinds of stuff. Right up the street from where we, where we at now, there's a church that there's a church St. Paul Lutheran. Right up the street from us, they give away bags once a week, I believe, on a Monday. I think it's, I think it's on a Monday. There's another church that I know of that feeds the hungry on. I think they still do it on Thursdays. There's a Catholic church. The Catholic church um, feeds the poor as well. You can get soup and sandwiches, and, and if you need clothing, they can, you can get some clothing. There are alternatives to that. As a matter of fact, the church is supposed to help the neighborhood and substitute of the government. The government's job is to govern. The church is to help the community, our communities. That's the church. That that's what the church is. Um, the church is about to feed the hungry, um, clothe the, the naked. That's what we. That's what the church is supposed to do. That's their, that's the job of the church. The mission of the church. That's why that's why the churches some of the churches Baptist 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 Church are supposed to be missionary Baptist churches. That's the why. The church are is your biggest alternative. 
They are your alternative to the government, especially those who don't use the services. And I guess three, if you know someone that is in your neighborhood that need that's in need, go to go to one of your near near churches that and ask them if they if they could help them with clothing or food or something that can help. The government is actually secondary. It's actually secondary to helping the poor. That's just a, it's supposed to be like an alternative. If the if the church can't help, then you can then you go to your government. Then your local government to help. That's their job to help, not take from people. Just like the government is taking from people. That's basically what they do. If you could go to a church and find out if you could find a church in your neighborhood that does that does that doesn't matter what denomination and it doesn't matter what denomination, really. But go there. I, w- I would recommend the Missionary Ch- Baptist Churches, some of the Missionary Baptist Churches, and I would rec- recommend the Catholic Church, the Catholic, uh, um, um, the Catholic Churches. The, those parishes there in your in your neighborhood, I, I, rec- I would recommend them because they they do it all the time. I know they do it here. <laughs> I know they they do it here. Or they do it here a lot. Every almost every day, pretty much. So that that's a solution for you, guest three. Instead of in in order to help um, those who are in need, not the ones who are in greed. <laughs> All right, uh. need not the greed. Yep, the needy. But not the greedy. Mm. All right. So that's a, that's the solution right there. That is one of the solutions. Yep. I think that's a, that's a, I, that's the best solution I, I can I can think of. Yeah. All right. Everybody, hold on. We're coming up to the top of the hour. And guess what? Think about that. Okay. All right. Yeah, there you go. He says, yes. Good point. And true. That's how it should be. I was speaking on the topic and recommending Christian help and I think I I think I answered your question. <laughs> I believe I answered your question and and I, I'm I'm glad that um uh 
one thing that uh, one of the things that I think really, and I, I heard I heard our pastor and I heard other ministers say that. I mean, other ministers say that that uh, that's supposed to be the church is actually supposed to be the ones who help those who cannot who who needs the help. So I I I hope I I I hope I I hope uh I helped there on that I hope I I hope I helped and believe me Christian health Christian welfare the 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 the, 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 the mission of the church is to help those who are in need, especially if you, especially when the government is is not doing what they're supposed to do. That's basically what the church is all about. Check them out. We're coming up to the top of the hour, and this is Nation Talk. Talk Show, Jam Radio Productions, and its sponsors. 
This is Nation Talk. Infinity, empower the drive. 
the new Republican-led Congress is back in session, and it is clear the first order of business will be to dismantle President Obama's signature health care law, the Affordable Care Act. Meanwhile, Democrats are digging in, vowing to oppose this repeal effort. President Obama huddled with Democrats on Capitol Hill today to try and save Obamacare. Betsy McCoy, former lieutenant governor of New York and conservative health policy expert, joins us now on set. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Good to see you. All right, so Nancy Pelosi and Senator Chuck Schumer came out earlier and spoke after their meeting with President Obama on the Hill. I want to play a little bit of what they had to say. Republicans are plotting and soon will be executing a full-scale assault on the three pillars that support the American health care system, the Affordable Care Act, Medicare, and Medicaid. The Republican plan to cut health care wouldn't make America great again, it would make America sick again and lead to chaos instead of affordable care. They have no replacement plan. They have no replacement plan because they just, they can't, they can't agree. They don't have the votes for a replacement plan. So to repeal and then delay is an act of cowardice. That means we don't really know what we're doing. All right, so Lieutenant Governor, uh, the Vice President-elect was also on the Hill today. Yeah. He said that on day one, the President-elect will be President, will sign an order um, to get rid of Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. Um, but there are a lot of people that are saying there are no specifics involved in what the Republicans want to replace it with. What's your response to that? Well, actually, the Republicans have been working for a very long time, and they have several concrete plans which agree on almost everything. There are a few fine points, a few places where they're still working out uh, details, but the fact is the Republicans have listened to the American people. The American people don't want the Affordable Care Act, but they do want good health care. They want coverage for people with pre-existing conditions. They want the uninsured to be covered, and God knows there is nobody in America who wants to take health care away from the elderly. So when I hear Chuck Schumer say this is going to be an assault on Medicare, you read my piece on Medicare in the newspaper this morning. You know how much I care about Medicare. I would never support an effort to assault Medicare or, for that matter, to diminish the quality of Medicaid. We need to improve it. So let me say this. The Democrats will again and again insist that the Affordable Care Act... Which you're holding there. You are holding the binder of the federal law. And the implications of it. And the fact is it isn't working. Premiums have doubled since this law went into effect doubled since the first Obamacare plans were offered. But see, that's one of the criticisms, though, is that Republicans say it's too expensive and that they want to bring down the premium. Donald, Donald Trump has even said that deductibles are very high. He wants to oh, do something with that. But so I want to ask you, at some point, something's got to go. So what is it? Is it mental health? Is it birth control? No, is no it, what's it's the method. Let me, let me, I'll get to that in a second. So when, when the Democrats say it's not working, look at the premiums. More than that, look at the lack of choice. In a third of counties in the United States, there's only one insurer left. The insurance companies have said this law is not working, and they have headed for the exits, depriving the American people of choice. And then when you look at the... So what, what will you cut, Betsy? What you've got to cut... It's not a matter of cutting. It's a matter of how to pay. Let me give you an example. This law requires that insurance companies sell health plans to very sick people people with pre-existing conditions, and healthy people for the same price. Now, of course, that sounds great, and everybody wants people with pre-existing conditions to be covered. But 5% of the people in this country need 50% of the health care. 
Those 5% who sadly not through any fault of their own are sick consume 10 times as much health care as the ordinary person. So if you have 10 ordinary people in a health care pool and you add one person with pre-existing conditions, the premiums for those 10 people double right away. But that's the criticism. There is another have. way How do you to deal do with it. That? There's another way to do it. And, in fact, I've been working on this part of it for a long time. Instead of foisting the cost of the sick on the very small number of people struggling to buy insurance in the individual market, all taxpayers should help out with that. We should have high-risk pools in every state fully funded so that when someone develops cancer or Parkinson's or any serious illness, their insurance is covered. The average cost will be about $38,000 per person covered by taxpayers. Right now, you're asking the 30-year-old man who's struggling to pay a mortgage or buy a car to pay a premium that's double what he should be paying to cover the cost of someone who's sadly sick. It's not fair to put the whole burden on that so, one person. So, Lieutenant Governor, let me ask you this. First of all, two of the biggest hospital trade groups sent a letter to the president-elect and to members of Congress, and I want to read from what they said. An unprecedented public health crisis if you do away with the Affordable Care Act. It went on to say um, that hospitals stood to lose $165 billion, that 20 million people would lose the insurance that they gained under the ACA, and they predicted widespread layoffs, um, patients without any health care. Kellyanne Conway herself has said that it could take years to replace this. How I want to answer this because I don't want anyone to worry like that. The fact is there are 20 million people newly covered. 16 million of the 20 million are on Medicaid, the public program for low-income people. It's been around since 1965, and it is not going anywhere. The Republicans do not want to touch Medicaid. They are not going to revoke Medicaid. They do want to block grant the funding to the states because right now we see Medicaid per capita spending increasing twice as fast as Medicare, and there's no evidence that for all that money, the health status, the blood pressure, the diabetes control of people on Medicaid is improving. We want better health care for the dollar. So that will be block granted. That's in every one of the plans. We're going to have to leave it there, Betsy. I apologize. I want to thank you, though, so much for your time. Betsy McCoy, thanks for joining us. Quiet crowd. Good afternoon. Mark the last day of maiden. Take a check of those major health insurer stocks for you. Kind of mostly down today in a day which we're mostly down. My name is Kenny Timms, and I'm a retired Phoenix Police Department commander and currently an expert on health insurance options. Most of us have heard about the 2017 health insurance premium increases, and from what I hear from most people, and I agree with, they are completely unaffordable. We've all been taught if we don't have a qualified health insurance plan, we are subjected to the added cost of paying a shared responsibility payment, or what I call the tax penalty on our tax return. Today we're going to teach you in about 
three minutes how to use the IRS's own code and federal law to avoid paying the tax penalty while ensuring you and your family have affordable, and I do mean affordable, health care protection, but at a significantly reduced price to secure and guarantee your financial future. Health insurance is deemed unaffordable if the amount the individual or family would have paid for the lowest cost bronze plan through the marketplace or through their employer exceeds more than 8.13% of their income. If the health insurance premium exceeds this 8.13 threshold, you qualify for a health insurance hardship and avoid paying the shared responsibility payment or tax penalty. This assumes the individual or family is not eligible for any federal subsidy to help pay for any health insurance, and if you are eligible, affordability is determined by the cost of the insurance plan after applying the federal subsidy payment. This will be documented on your tax return using IRS Form 13614-C. I think we all know not having a health insurance policy is very risky and unacceptable, and low-cost health insurance offered through such companies as Blue Cross Blue Shield and United Healthcare offer the health care protection that you require throughout the year. These plans usually require brief underwriting and approval, but will save you thousands of dollars on your health insurance premiums throughout the year. While at the same time, they will guarantee your health and financial futures. Now let's look at a real life example. Paul and I are 54 and 51 years of age, and we have two children attending college ages 22 and 20. According to the website, healthcare.gov, the lowest cost bronze plan is gonna cost us $1,965 a month, or $23,580 a year. Ouch. This plan also has an incredibly high deductible that has to be met before it pays any benefits. Using the 8.13 unaffordability factor, if our modified adjusted gross income is less than, get this, $290,000 a year, we qualify for the health care hardship exemption and avoid having to pay the tax penalty for not purchasing an Obamacare health insurance plan. That's why I'm a firm believer this year we should consider using short-term health care plans with supplements to make sure that we have our health and financial futures secure at an affordable price that we can all live with and afford. However, there is some good news. If our modified adjusted gross income is under $97,000 in 2017, we will qualify for a $1,000 $443 tax credit that the government will pay toward our health insurance premium, bringing my actual premium down to $522. Now that I call affordable. These plans still have very high deductibles and will require supplemental insurance to help insure your financial future, but in this situation, we would qualify for the subsidy. I do want to point out if our income exceeds $97,000, we do not qualify for any federal subsidy and would be responsible for the entire $23,580 annual premium on our own. Assuming we qualify for the hardship exemption, how much does a short-term health insurance policy cost and what does it cover? For as little as $189 a month, I can insure my family of four 
and using supplemental insurance, I can build a great package that will secure my health care and financial future. However, if we want to use an actual apples-to-apples comparison of a short-term medical plan to an Obamacare plan that costs approximately $2,000 a month, the short-term plan is actually going to cost about $963. Adding the necessary supplemental coverage, critical illness, hospital indemnity, accident companion, your total cost is going to go to approximately $1,250. Now that example is using my family of four as a comparison to the 1965 option through the Affordable Care Act. In my opinion, the short-term option is going to give me much better protection at a much lower price. As a reminder, all short-term health insurance plans do require some sort of medical underwriting in terms of answering some questions. They will exclude any pre-existing conditions, but they do offer great protection at an affordable price. The scenarios we discussed today were based on my individual family demographics, and we need to make sure that we evaluate them based on yours. I hope you found this information informative, and I encourage you to email me at ktims at healthmarkets.com if you have any questions regarding your health, life, Medicare, or long-term care needs. Okay. That email address again is, and I'm going to write this down, but I'm also going to write it down, is ktim at healthcare I'm sorry health market healthmarkets.com and I'm going to place it on here K Tim's at health market If you have any questions, uh, you want you can email Ken on this. He he brings out pretty some good points on this, some very good points. Some quite a bit points on this. All right, from the sublime to the ridiculous. Trump Jr. and his thing with Russia. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What's that Richard Nixon once said? I am not a cook. Uh Uh-oh. My bad. I didn't mean to do that. I mean to do this. Back from the words of Richard Melhouse Nixon, I am not a crook. <laughs> you remember that, huh? Oh, yeah. Trump and Russia. Trump, Trump Sr., Trump Jr., and Russia. Mm. Nice combination. Is he telling the truth, or he just lying between his teeth like his dad? 
<laughs> okay, question. Did he go as a private citizen? Did he go as a business person? Or did he go as a liaison for the government? Liaison. And some kind of official uh, act. Neither. 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 Okay. So he went on his very own. He went. Uh, actually, he was going. He, he was going fishing about um, about um, Senator Clinton, trying to dig up some dirt on Senator Clinton. Mm-hmm. There was some kind of discussion. That's I right. What, I understand they were supposed to be giving him the information or selling them information or. A trading information or something? Something. I don't know what they was trying to do. Really. So does that make it? Does that make it an official government uh, act? It should be. Because she was Secretary of State, though. Yeah, that's she was a, she, a cabinet official. Yeah, she was Secretary of State. Okay. And um, well. I think she was Secretary of State, but, but she was running for she was running for office at the time. But I'm talking about during the time for the uh, email situation come up, was she oh. officially oh, yeah, Secretary she, of State? Oh yeah, she was Secretary of State at the time. She was Secretary okay, of so State. That, so that makes it an official act. Yeah. If he were digging into something of, of, of an official nature, then as a private citizen, uh, that's a little bit of no-no thing. Treason. Treason. I did come from my mouth now. Yep, I said it. Treason. The T to the R to the E to the A to the S to the O to the N. Treason. Huh. <laughs> now, hold on, y'all. Listen to this interview from Donald Jr. His interview on Hannity about meeting with Russia lawyer uh, Donald Trump Jr. We will ask him every single question I can think of on this topic. Don Jr., good to see you. Welcome back. Appreciate it. I didn't know there was any time left. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told that before, but they're highly rated opening monologue. I like it. And I figured while I have a captive audience, I wanted to get my points out to them. Let's start with the emails. Yeah. Let's start with the first email. First of all, let's talk about who is Rob Goldstone. Rob Goldstone is a talent manager for Amin Argolov, who's a Azerbaijani-Russian singer, performed at Miss Universe and later performed at a... Uh, uh, the WGC Championship Golf Course the tournament that we held at Doral. All right, so uh, do you know? I, I met him through that, through the golf course. I wasn't even at the Miss Universe pageant, but I met him throughout there, so I had a casual relationship with him. Okay, so he sends you this email. We'll put it back up on the screen and give you a chance to, to look at this. This is the one that says the Crown Prosecutor of Russia met with his father, meaning Emin's father, and in their meeting offered to provide the Trump campaign with documents, information that could incriminate Hillary Clinton, et cetera, Obviously, highly sensitive information, but as part of Russia and its government's support of Mr. Trump. 
uh, and then they ask the best way to handle this. This email comes in. What are you thinking? Honestly, my takeaway when all of this was going on is that someone has information on our opponent. You know, things are going a million miles an hour. You know what it's like to be on a campaign. We just won Indiana, but we're talking about a contested convention. Things are going a million miles an hour again. And, hey, wait a minute. I've heard about all these things, but maybe this is something. I should hear him out. Okay. What? Son, he was cheating. And you read the parts about the Russian government or Russia supporting your father. Did that put off any sirens in your head? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I think this was, again, just basic information that was going to be possibly there. I didn't know these guys well enough to understand that if this talent manager from this universe you know, had this kind of thing. So I wanted to hear him out and play it out and see what happens. But, you know, people are trying to reach out to you all the time with this. All right, so you spent a lot of time talking about it, and you actually said at one point that, hey, if, if it turns out to say what you say it is, of course, what did you think it might be? Listen, I, I would... I've been reading about scandals that people were probably underreporting for a long time. So maybe it was something that had to do with one of those things. I mean, this was her perhaps involvement with the Russian government. So, you know, again, I didn't know there was any credibility. I didn't know if there was anything behind it. I can't vouch for the information. You know, someone sent me an email. I can't help what someone sends me. You know, I read it. I responded accordingly. And if there was something interesting there, I think it's pretty common. What about the timeline of this? This is pre, for example, WikiLeaks and the well, DNC honestly, emails. This is pre, like, Russia fever. This is pre-Russia mania. You know, this was 13 months ago before. I think the rest of the world was uh, talking about that, trying to build up this narrative about Russia. So I don't even think my sirens, you know, went up or the antennas went up at yeah. this time because of it, because it wasn't the issue that it's been made out to be over the last, you know, nine months, 10 months uh, since it really became a thing. So I think there is an element of context to that. At the time, it wasn't this big news story. All right. What did you know about Emin, Emin's father? What did you know about them from Moscow? Was it just the pageant you met them yeah, at? They and had the, the pageant, and they're successful real estate developers over there. So, you know, that's the extent of, you know, my knowledge with them. I met Emin once or twice uh, and, you know, maintained a casual relationship there, talked about some potential deals and meant to that the extent of it. They really didn't go anywhere. What do you know about this Russian lawyer? What did you at the time, if anything, know about I actually didn't know anything about it. Again, an acquaintance, mm -hmm. you know, sent me this email. As a courtesy to him, I said, okay, let's meet. Uh, but I didn't know who I was meeting beforehand, never heard of the person, never got the information until they were in the room. At any point were you told, either in a phone conversation or otherwise, what they might tell you, what they, what Goldstone seemed to be implying you would receive? Now, as I recall, it was all basically this email coordination, let's try to set up a meeting and see what happens, and that it was going to be interesting information. And, you know, in, in the end, it wasn't about that at all. Let's go into the meeting. Mm -hmm. All right, so you meet at Trump Tower. Okay, the meeting was described earlier today on the Today Show. Mm -hmm. Did she describe it accurately? I think fairly accurately. I mean, I, I was a little taken back by her saying, you know, talking about me pressing for the information. But as you can see from the emails, the pretext of the meeting was, hey, we have information. And there was, you know, some small size. I don't even remember what it was. It just was sort of nonsensical, uh, inane and garbled, and then quickly went on to, uh, you know, a story about Russian adoption and how we could possibly help. And really that's where we shut it down, which is, wait a second, uh, what does this have to do with, did you what even know what the McGinty Act was? I'd never even heard of it before you know, that day. Uh, you know, I, I think it became pretty apparent to you know Jared and Paul, who I think Jared left after a few minutes. Paul got but in the phone. Yeah, yeah, this is her. Yeah, I, I do remember phone? that. Yeah, we were all there. I was basically sitting there listening as a courtesy uh, to my acquaintance uh, who had set up the meeting. And uh, you know, in, in his own words, you can hear what he said, uh, and you played it earlier about it. I mean, you apologized to me walking out of the meeting basically for wasting my time. 
Well, and he did say at the end of, of your statement today, you did point out, as Goldstone said today, the entire meeting was the most inane nonsense I've ever heard, and I'm actually, you know, agitated by it. Yeah, listen. And he called, he called and apologized to you? He, no, he, he, there wasn't really follow-up, because there's nothing there to follow up. Was, you know, but as we were walking out, he said, listen, I'm sorry for that. But I think what happened... It, he sort of goosed up. He built up. There was some puffery uh, to the email, perhaps, to get the meeting to make it happen. And, you know, in, in the end, there was probably some bait and switch about what it was really supposed to be about. And so, uh, you know, there is nothing there. So she is saying that she had no information to provide. Do you remember what she's suggesting, that you were pressing her a little bit for information? Well, I, I imagine I did. I mean, I was probably pressing because the pretext of the meeting was, hey, I have information about your opponent. It was this... You know, hey, some DNC donors may have done something in Russia and they didn't pay taxes. I, I, I was like, what does this have to do with anything? You know, especially in light of everything that was out there, I was like, this isn't. Did you, you ever have any contact with this woman again? No. Did you ever have any contact with Goldstone again? Casual, hey, how's it going? Emmons going to be in town performing something like that. But did you ever see Emmons again? Except the, well, I, I don't believe really so. No. The I don't think I've seen Emmons since since this transpired. Okay, so. This is a hypothetical. In any point in your mind, did Don Jr. have a siren saying, okay, they're talking, again, I go back to the first email about Russia, Russian government, I'm meeting with this person, you're going to talk on the phone. Did you ever think uh, maybe this might not be? Listen, I, I think, it, like I said, in retrospect, I probably would have done things a little differently. Again, this is before the Russia mania. This is before they were building it up in the press. For me, this was opposition research. They had something, you know, maybe concrete evidence to all the stories I'd been hearing about, but they were probably underreported for, you know, years, not just during the campaign. So I think I wanted to hear it out. But really, it, it went nowhere, and it was apparent that that wasn't what the meeting was actually about. Okay. Let me, let me ask a hypothetical. I know hypotheticals. Maybe you've thought about it since, and since this has now become Russia collusion, yeah. Russia collusion, and et cetera. Did you ever meet with any other person from Russia that you know? You know, I don't even know. I've probably met with other people from Russia. I mean, certainly not, in, not in the context of actual a formalized meeting mm. or anything like that, because why would I? You know, in the grand scheme of things, how busy we were, it, it was much more important to doing this. This was a courtesy to an acquaintance. Let me play a montage, and, and these are Democrats attacking you today and give you a chance to respond to what they're saying and what the left is saying. I mean, they have taken it to the ultimate extreme. And then I'll ask you about some perspective about some of my comments at the beginning of the show. Here's what they're saying. We now know that through intermediaries, the Russian government sought to approach the Trump campaign to see whether they would be interested in damaging information about Hillary Clinton. We now know that the response that the president's son gave to the Russians was that he would love it uh, if they would provide damaging information about Hillary Clinton. Uh, rather than report uh, this overture by the Russian government to provide damaging information to intervene uh, in the presidential election in a way to help uh, his father, uh, neither the president's son nor the campaign reported this information to the FBI. We get this email exchange today uh, showing clear uh, collaboration between the Russian government and Russian government agents and the Trump campaign at the highest levels, where the email is very clear that the Russian government is weighing in to help elect Donald Trump. We need Donald Trump Jr. and other campaign associates to turn over any and all documents and electronic communications that investigators ask for. And we need public testimony under oath of Donald Trump Jr. 
who has changed his story repeatedly. We're now beyond obstruction of justice in terms of what's being investigated. This is moving into perjury, false statements, uh, and even is potentially treason. Did you hand over any and all documents? Uh, well, I, I will. I've said it publicly. I said it yesterday. More than happy to cooperate with everyone. I just want the truth to get out there. And, and that's part of why I released all the stuff today. I wanted to get it all but out this there. Is They're trying day. to drag out the story. In all fairness, yeah. you know, they have it. They want to drip a little bit today, drip a little bit then. So I was like, here it is. I'm more than happy to be transparent about it, and I'm more than happy to cooperate with everyone. So as far as you know, as far as this incident is concerned, this is all of it. This is everything. This is everything. Was anybody else at any point in the campaign said, oh, I got information about Hillary that you remember? No. Let me go back to what Tim Kaine said. Uh, well, if it is what you said, you're especially, you know, you'd want it released later in the summer. Do you think that's unusual for a campaign to want op research? And I'll get to the Ukrainian issue, which I think has been underreported, especially in light of this coverage. But um, well, like I said, I think we had more important things to worry about. I wasn't sure of the credibility of any of this stuff. At the time, I'm sitting there, Indiana had just probably happened. You know, I'm worried about hearing a contested convention, contested convention. So, you know, we're going to fight. This is the first time we've ever done any of this. This is, you know, I'm still way in the learning curve on all of this. So it wasn't that urgent to me if I'm saying, hey, I can wait till the end of summer. But, yeah, I obviously want to hear the information. I mean, that's what we do in business. If there's information out there, you want it, and then you make what you do with it. If there was something that came from it that was shady, if it was a danger to national security, I would obviously bring it right to someone. But I didn't know what anything was. It turns out it was nothing, and therefore there's nothing to be able to actually talk about. The whole contact took how long? How long was the meeting? Uh, 20 minutes or so. About 20 minutes. Um, and Jared left after 5 or 10? Yes. Like she said, and Paul Manafort was on his on his phone the whole time. Pretty much. Pretty much. It, it, listen, like I said, it became it was pretty, it, pretty apparent that this was not what we were in there talking about. A lot of people are going to want to know this about your father. Mm -hmm. Did you tell your father anything about this? No. Uh, it was such a nothing. There was nothing to tell. I, mean, I wouldn't have even remembered it until you start scouring through the stuff. It was, it was literally just a wasted 20 minutes, which was a shame. Mm -hmm. All right, so we've got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll have more. It is with sound mind and body that I, James Fredericks III, after fighting with all direct family members for decades, leave my entire fortune of $32 million to the one friend I had in the end, the package delivery guy, Matt Songer. Woohoo! Yeah! I had a feeling about this! Uh-huh! I'm rich! Oh, this cannot be happening. Actually, it's not happening. What? what? And it never will. I don't get it. There aren't even people here. That's just one of those murmuring sound effects. Seriously? Listen, if you want to have money in your future, don't rely on luck. Huh. Put 10 bucks away each month. Cook once in a while instead of eating out. Okay. Pay down your high-interest credit card. Right. Small changes today, big bucks tomorrow. So, no inheritance? Uh, no. Go to FeedThePig.org for more free ideas. FeedThePig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. And just to be clear, no inheritance, right? The First Amendment reads, the people shall not be deprived of their right to speak. The odds are the person you just heard is an African-American. Because African-Americans are twice as likely to suffer a stroke as white Americans. That's twice as likely a stroke could rob you of the freedom to speak your mind. Help beat the odds. Call 1-888-4-STROKE or go online to strokeassociation.org. Join the power to end stroke. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. 
You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views of peers of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Shoe, Jam Radio Protections, and its sponsors, and that big dummy. This is Nation Talk. Welcome back. This is Nation Talk. My goodness, you big dummy! Those big dummies, all them big dummies! <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't believe this, Mike. You there, Mike? 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 Well, anyway, that that was for. Trump and son. That'd be a, that'd make a nice TV show. <laughs> well, later on, later on during this hour, we have blank on blank, and of course we have some news. Of course, as you all, everybody knows. Oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me um go to my. my intro here. My intro. Aha. There it is. As I was saying, news from the week. News from the week. Thank you. As you all know, Spicer quit. Yep, Spicer has quit. Now we don't know the I, I really don't know the details of it, but um, Saturday Night Live people, I know they're gonna I know they're gonna miss. I know they're gonna really miss doing um. Doing um, um, I know they're gonna do um, they're gonna miss doing spice or having spice. They did a proper, they did a proper goodbye to Spicer.
Waters World is on tonight. Deranged left wingers saying President Trump is racist because he likes big trucks. Why must the left inject race into everything? A powerful Waters Words explores. And our job is not to divide. Our job is to bring people together. Bernie Sanders' call for unity was all the rage during the 2016 election. But one Bernie backer is backing out. What she saw in the campaign that made her no longer feel the burn. Plus, Mr. Simpson, I do vote to grant parole. O.J. Simpson officially paroled after spending the last nine years behind bars. But how much do people know about the juice? Waters World hits the streets to find out. What? Now, that's another of the stories, too. The juice is going to be free in October. That's another story. Uh, here's more of From this is coming from the ACP. Did they call OJ the Juice? He was like really fast and like strong, I think. Or because his name was OJ. It all begins right now. Welcome to Waters World. I'm Jesse Waters. A major shakeup for President Trump's communication team as Press Secretary Sean Spicer resigns. Sarah Huckabee Sanders fills his slot at the podium while money man Anthony Scaramucci is tapped as White House Communications Director. Here's what Spicer told Sean Hannity. You started sharing the podium with, with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Anthony Scaramucci comes in. Did you feel in any way that this was against you? Did you feel you were pushed out in any way, or this was just totally your decision? No, the, but as you mentioned, the president uh, obviously wanted to add to the team more than anything. I just think it, it was in the best interest uh, of our communications department, of our press organization, uh, to not have too many cooks in the kitchen. And since he's been such a good friend to Waters World, we wanted to give Sean a proper send-off. Here's some memorable moments. Good evening. Good afternoon. Okay, you don't get to just yell out questions. We're going to raise our hand like big boys and girls. Thank you. You've asked the question now eight times. If the president puts Russian salad dressing on his salad tonight, somehow that's a Russian connection. I'm just, this is silly. Okay, now. Okay, okay. Thank you. As I said now five times to the follow-up to the follow-up, um, I think you've already killed one, one question Friday. So we're, going to, we're going to get back to it. This is the Democrats. This is us. There is... I mean, that you can't get any clearer in terms of this is government, this is not. I was going to say, you're upside down. John Roberts always helping with the fashion tips. Happy Valentine's Day. I can sense the love in the room. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Now back to Anthony Scaramucci. The new White House communications director took questions from the White House press corps and said this about the president. But here's what I tell you to the president. He's the most competitive person I've ever met. Okay, I've seen this guy throw a dead spiral through a tire. I've seen him at Madison Square Garden with a top coat on. He's standing in the key and he's hitting foul shots and swishing them, okay? He sinks three-foot punts. I don't see this guy as a guy that's ever under siege. This is a very, very competitive person. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of incoming that comes into the White House, but the president's a winner, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to do a lot of winning. 
Joining me now with a breakdown, Fox News Chief National Correspondent Ed Henry. So, Ed, powerful addition to the White House. Mm -hmm. How do you think this is going to impact the day-to-day? Jesse, in talking to some of the president's top advisors, they see in that soundbite right there from Anthony Scaramucci the idea of going back to winning, which means going back to the campaign. These uh, sort of big rallies where the president feeds off uh, the energy of the crowd. We're going to see one, in fact, uh, this coming Tuesday in the battleground state of Ohio. He is shifting back into campaign mode and is going to try to focus uh, much more aggressively on the things that he is doing right, the government regulations that have been lifted, that the media doesn't talk about, that's helping the economy, the stock market doing well. Scaramucci is a street fighter uh, and is somebody who this president uh, loves because he is going to go head-to-head, not just with the media, but is going to help this president get back out uh, across the country and talk more directly with the American people. Yeah, we want to see President Trump in campaign mode because I think that's where he's most effective. Ed, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Good to see you. Joining me now with more reaction is Trump Media Advisory Board member Gina Loudon. So, Gina, the Trump train really likes Scaramucci, and it's easy to see why. I mean, the guy's a stone-cold killer, made a ton of cash on Wall Street, also (laughs) extremely polished, and I think gets Donald Trump. Is that how you see it? Absolutely, Jesse. That's a great analysis. And you look at, I mean, who else do you want heading up uh, this massive economic plan that this president plans to institute? You look at the first six months, very successful, but this is a wonderful refresher because now we have somebody there who's a Trump-style fighter, Jesse, who's a counterpuncher, who gets results. Look at what happened when he punched back. Three CNN people ended up leaving. This is the kind of fighter that America wants right now for this economic agenda and for the next uh, six months and beyond. And some of that was on display when he was taking questions from the podium. He was asked about being combative with the news media. Here is what Anthony said. I sort of don't like the fake news. And if you said to me that uh, there's some media bias out there, if you want me to be as candid as I would like to be with you guys, there feels like there's a little bit of media bias. And so what we hope we can do is de-escalate that and turn that around, and let's let the message from the president get out there to the American people. Looks like he's going to punch the press in the face and then help them up off the turf. <laughs> That's a great way to put it, Jesse. I, I think you're absolutely right. But I think that the, the media has an opportunity here to begin to redeem itself. Not that they'll take it. I really don't know if they can ever do a mea culpa. But their ratings and their trust by the American public is so low, Jesse, that they would be smart to try to make some relationship with this new press situation and, uh, and try to redeem some of the credibility they've lost with the American people. And Anthony's a very personable guy. He's got a ton of friends here in Manhattan, and everybody knows he's very engaging, so I think he'll look to do that in order to mend some fences. Um, Speaking of um, mending fences, I think Melissa McCarthy at Saturday Night Live might need to find some new material after Sean Spicer's leaving. Let's just take a nice look back at some of her performances. I'd like to begin today by apologizing on behalf of you to me. Donald Trump was sometimes disappointed in <laughs> Spicer was because 
that 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 spoof really hit a nerve. Yeah, you know, I I think that Saturday Night Live uh, could just leave the comedy to Waters World and uh, do a lot better, and America would be laughing a lot more. I don't know that I think they're that funny you know anymore what? because they've become so biased. That, I mean, I agree. Leave the comedy to Waters World. I'll take it from here. Gina, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. O.J. Simpson paroled, but how much do young people know about the crime of the century? A Waters World quiz still ahead. Why did they call O.J. the juice? He was, like, really fast and, like, strong, I think. Or because his name was O.J. That makes more sense. Yep. Well, O.J. Simpson behaved himself this time and not tried to rob people I think he's gonna I think he's gonna I think he's going to um do okay in spite of all this is going on. Time now for our special segment Blank on Blank. This special segment is presented by PBS Digital Studios with lost interviews of famous artists, etc. Tonight's Blank on Blank, Patty Hearst. You are watching foodie videos while you could be staying with group Would you like to be raised at all? 
And there are some days when I think, ugh, there's always some days when you wish things had never happened, <laughs> like you've never been born, that sort of thing. Yeah. No, but I'm not the kind of person anyway that can just sit around and say, oh, gee, I wish that had never happened. I don't, I don't ever do that. There's no point. That is a total and complete waste of time. What were the circumstances surrounding the times you were hit? Oh, you know, made some sassy remark or didn't move fast enough or, you know, was disrespectful to my leader. Was it a back slap or was it a fist punch in the eye? It was a punch. Right in the eye? Yeah. Did he have HNE for himself? Or the stomach or, you know. I mean, you're so fragile. If I punched you in the eye, I I would be afraid I'd crack your whole face. No, I got hit in the face with a gun. I'm not very fragile at all. Maybe things would be easier if I were terribly frail and fragile somehow. I just want to straighten out a few facts. You were a willing participant in the bank robbery at that time. Well, but you can't separate them like that. You can't say, we're not talking about your, uh, the threats that you were under. They said if I didn't do it, they'd kill me. Thing we should. 
<laughs> and um, people who've never gone hunting have a tendency to um, look down on hunters and act like they're out killing Bambi's father. You have to try to do. I mean, it's four deer. It's a beautiful animal. You have to have gone hunting to know the excitement of, of seeing someone get their first deer. It's a thrill for them. It is. It's, what else would you like? Would you feel satisfied shooting? Oh, maybe you. No. <laughs> um, yeah. David. <laughs> You've been listening to Blank on Blank, a special segment presented by PBS Digital Studio. Well, Mike. 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 Mike, he must be doing dishes. Sound like he's doing dishes. <laughs> My man. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Real men do dishes. Well, Thank you all so much for listening and tuning in to Nation Talk. By the way, you could go to nationtalk.wordpress.com and you can check out the latest blog or you can check out uh, the latest podcast that we have, the latest program we have on there that's been posted. That's nationtalk.wordpress.com. And again, once again, thank you all each week for allowing us to bring you a program like this to your to your uh computer or device that you're using by by way of listening to this. This has been Nation Talk, a public affairs program, a public affairs and news program that airs Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Be sure to join us next Sunday for another Nation Talk here on TalkShoe and Jam Radio. Nation Talk is produced by Jam Radio Productions Presentation. Say thank you all so much for joining us. We'll see you again on another Nation Talk. Until then, God bless you. Okay, well, well let's try this again to see if we can get Mike one more time. Mike? Mike? He's occupied right now. Okay. Uh, as I was saying, thanks all, thank you all so much for listening and tuning in to this program. We 
We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.